Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, spring has sprung, you know. I mean, we're, we're right on the brink of summer here. It feels like it this week. We've it's had a warm. great, yeah. nice, warm it's week nice. here. I like it. I like this weather. This is my favorite time of the year with, with weather. Well, the fall's nice, too. But Yeah, speaking cool of nights. Speaking of fall, then football starts in the fall. Yeah, we have a ways away before football starts. You're already crowing about Clemson's recruiting class. Yeah. I don't know why. But. Well, you know, I mean, they are number one in the country with the recruiting so far for 2020. So far, that's the key. So They just signed the number one recruit for 2020 i, I, I heard i heard yeah did you, you know, know i mean did you know success Car- breeds success that's right i mean they do have a it's a it's a pipeline now unfortunately for us carolina and georgia fans out there but carolina has the toughest schedule next year we play Ouch. clemson uh georgia and alabama you guys probably do. three of the top five teams in the nation honestly you do if you could if you could win win the first like six six games you'd be like in the top five or something well we're just gonna we're gonna pull off of, it's gonna be like the miracle on ice in 1980 no one expects <laughs> us to go up against the pros and win but you I, know i actually think you guys have a good quarterback that's you the, know so be a gamecock I, fan you have to have optimism yeah well i'm, I'm with you I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that optimism but hey i mean if recruiting is important then yeah that's clemson's off to a good start yes that, yeah. that does matter yeah yeah for so sure. Fun topic, yeah. Speaking of fun topics, you know, uh, well, these aren't so fun. Well, one of them's fun, but yours isn't. The question is, will Social Security run out? Yeah, there's a lot of discussion. We've seen a lot of news articles, Medicare, Social Security, um, starting to get some some uh, press, which, oh, wow, that, that's good. Uh, maybe the politicians will address some of these issues. Exactly. So we're going to talk yeah. about that. And it, it, Social Security may not be as bad as it's being portrayed. Now, Medicare is. There, there's a huge problem. Yeah, with Medicare has a bigger problem. But you're right. Social Security is not as bad. It's a good topic, though, because it's very, very important. So many people rely on it. So stick around for that. Um, and the other thing we're going to discuss is the five ways to wipe out debt quickly. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it seems like I've met with the inordinate amount of people recently that have a lot of debt Mm -hmm. you know credit cards will have 10 or 12 different different types of debt that they're dealing with and um, trying to figure out a way to climb out of that hole and you know this is good news because there is a what there are ways to jumpstart that process you know of the debt snowball of paying off those cards quickly and getting some momentum and we're going to talk about ways to jumpstart that and to really gain some momentum because it can be done. You know, I've seen it. I've seen people go in the right direction and people yeah. go in the wrong direction oh, with yeah. it. And you can get, if you get a good start and you get some momentum and you get the right attitude, you can really hammer that process. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Well, that's what Dave Ramsey's business is built on, right? Getting out of debt and you know, it goes from there. But that's what kind of the premise of it is, is um, no a- debt. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can also actually listen to it from our website. A lot of videos, tools, calculators, a lot of good information out there. Uh, check out our Facebook page, MoneyMD, and also Twitter, uh, MoneyMD Handle. 
And you can also email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. We're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so Matthew and I uh, went to uh, the um, Aiken High School um, this week and uh, talked to the freshman orientation class and probably had 200 people there, maybe uh, maybe 100 family units roughly, and just talking to them about student loan debt and, and trying to minimize that and trying to find your passion and skills and so forth. And so this is a great financial fact of the week is talking about the top occupations um, over the next, you know, seven to eight years. And they're in the healthcare industry, which is not surprising with the baby boomers. But the first one was uh, personal care aides. Uh, next one was registered nurses. And the final one was home health aides. So a lot of, uh, you know, good jobs, a good industry to go into, um, you know, if you're passionate about that would be the, um, the, the medical field. It's healthcare. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the baby boomers are aging. They need a lot of care and, you know, all the medical type fields uh, seem to have very low unemployment, very high, you know, pay. Uh, so that'd be a great area to go into. Mm-hmm. I tried to encourage my kids to go into it. Nobody listened. really, really listened, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody's got their thing. So, but it's something to consider. You want to make sure you get an effective degree right. that you can get a job in that pays decent. Yeah. One of the other discussions we had is not everybody needs to go to a four-year college. Aiken Tech has a cybersecurity two-year degree. Yeah. What a great field to go into. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, I met with somebody yesterday, I think, or the day before that was their kid was going to Aiken. They were going to go to Aiken Tech for rad as a rad tech, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. rad tech degree, which yep. is, you know, medical field and- <laughs> You know, I think that's a great degree. Yeah, you know? I agree. Um, so there's a lot of good things you can do that that don't require college per se. Just you know, good tech degrees, and so uh, yeah, it's a good thing to look at. Mm-hmm. You can save a ton of money by doing that as well. So good fact of the week. Okay, and that brings us up to our first topic, and that is Social Security. Will it run out, John? Give us the short answer. Yes. No, I'm going to wait till the end so people will listen. Come on. You know how this works. This is um, from Ben Ben Geyer. Uh, Smart Asset is the uh, organization that it came from. And, um, you know, th- there is a lot of news. We see it uh, daily now, really. Uh, Medicare um, is the bigger issue of the two, in our opinion. And what we see, uh, Medicare is going to be more of a 20, you know, 25 event, which is right around the corner. So That's security out, up, yeah. Yeah, out into the 2030s. But, you know, the federal government founded Social Security during the Great Depression. And, um, you know, the program provides money for people when they retire. And then everybody pays the tax when they're working uh, to fund the program. And basically today's workers are, are uh, fund payments for the retirees today. And tomorrow's workers are eventually going to pay for the current generation as well. But the question is, is will Social Security run out of money at any point in the future? Um, and for years, there's been a lot of rumors and questions. And um, the short answer, we'll go ahead and give it, is, is it's, it's unlikely the program will run out of money. Now, I, I really do believe, and I tell people this, I believe you and I could go up there and fix this program oh, yeah. with some tweaks. I mean, <clears throat> it's, I mean, it's only what? It's like 20% short yeah. you know, of funding well, we for could, the we future. Could, we could make some changes to it. It's very political, That's and it's politicized. Anytime they're going to make any kind of changes, uh, it typically would not impact the people that are in or close to retirement. It's the people that are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, exactly. which is the right yeah. answer. Yeah, you would never, you would never, you know, change the program for anybody that's dependent on it now. Um, and it's a very, very important program. And mm-hmm. we, we sit down with retirees all the time. And, you know, it's usually like a third to a half of their income. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very significant. So you can't, we can't cut it on anybody. But, you know, in the future, it could be less and less relied upon 
particularly for folks that have higher income, you know, or have uh, other resources. So uh, there, it's, there's a lot of ways to fix it. But before we explain why it's very unlikely for it to die out, helps to understand a little bit about how it came to be. And, uh, you know, so a little bit of the history of, of Social Security. Franklin D. Roosevelt um, signed the Social Security Act into law in 1935. And that followed generations of American fighting Americans fighting for uh, a social insurance program that could help support Americans once uh, workers once they reach retirement age. And before that, there was no social welfare, welfare type program designed to support people once they reach, you know, the age where it was difficult to work. So the government first collected Social Security taxes in 1937. They began paying the first payments in 1940. Um, the Social Security Administration was formed. It's an independent government agency based in Maryland that administers the program. And the government has created other programs throughout the years that are kind of related to it, like the Social Security Disability Insurance Program and the Social Security uh, Supplemental Social Income Program. So um, it's, it's been, been around you know, a while. It's been a while, right? Quite a while. And, uh, you know, it's been a very important program for seniors mm -hmm. for for many many decades now yeah and basically there's a dedicated tax on earnings it's 12.4 percent the 6.2 percent is paid by the worker and the other 6.2 is paid by the company there is a cap on the uh, the amount of taxable income. It's one hundred and thirty two thousand nine hundred dollars in twenty nineteen, uh, meaning any income above that is not subject to Social Security taxes. And you know the money pays retirement benefits for retirees. I think the average is around twelve or thirteen hundred, you know, per person. Uh, it can be certainly higher than that or lower based on your work credits um, that you get. And some people are eligible for survivor benefits. Um, when their spouse dies as well. And if you've gotten divorced and married over 10 years, you're you know eligible as well. So it does provide um, some security and some income for a lot of folks out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And Social Security, you know, has become a hot button political topic in the last few decades. I mean, some even call it the kind of the third rail of American politics, um, implying that, you know, if you dare touch that program, it's going to mean certain political death which I think is somewhat true, you know. Um, so you got to, you know, they'll, they'll have real run ads of, mm. of people pushing grandma off the cliff, right? Yeah, We've right. seen that. So you definitely, you know, polit politi uh, politicians do not want to touch Social Security, right. you know, and that's why I think they will very rarely make any cuts to Social Security, particularly for anybody that's over 50, Um and I don't think you'll ever see that. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest reasons that, you know, it's such a big deal is that some people think the money to fund the program is going to run out. And then they're, they're going to leave seniors who are paying into the system out in the cold. I mean, that that's simply not going to be true. Yeah. And so we're going to go through a couple of uh, myths that we see out there. And one of them is the Social Security Trust Fund is going broke. And it is true that the Social Security Trust Fund's uh, is in, they're invested in non-marketable securities, and it's projected to run out of funds around 2034. Um, the tax will still raise money each each month. Um, projections show that even if nothing is done about the trust funds, the program will cover about 79% of its obligations through 2090. Um, so that is a funding issue to address. It doesn't mean, though, that the program is going to go bankrupt. Um, so that's one of the, the myths out there. Another myth that this gentleman talks about is undocumented immigrants taking benefits, and that's not true. Undocumented immigrants cannot claim Social Security benefits. 
but many of them and their employers do pay into the system, which would help some. But um, if you're not a legal, um, you know, citizen, that you're you're not going to get Social Security benefits. Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. And uh, you know, past generations had more children than we do today. People over sixty five make up about twelve percent of the population today. And in 2080, they could make up 23% of the population, according to the statistics. Um, also, contributing to a larger elderly population is modern medicine, um, which allows people to live much longer than they used to. So that means that they're alive well past retirement age for more years, and, and thus the spending, uh, you know, more years, you know, collecting checks. They're they're collecting more money from the programs, so more than it was designed to originally. So while this could all contribute to a funding crunch, I mean, there are some proposals to solve it, um, including advancing the retirement age some more for younger folks. Um, but, you know, it's unlikely it's going to lead to any kind of full collapse of the program. I mean, nobody's going to let that happen. Mm -hmm. It's simply too important to seniors. Yeah, and while Social Security is unlikely to run out, it doesn't mean the government won't need or should take some steps to protect the security of the program in the coming years. I mean, steps could include, like you said, raising the age um, that you're going to receive payments. could also be increasing the payroll tax or maybe uh, changing the amount of income that is um, subject to it as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the bottom line is, you know, the the program really is kind of a pay-as-you-go program. They're not going to stop sending out checks, even if it starts running deficits mm -hmm. in the program. Um, you know, they're simply going to become an obligation of the, you know, general fund of the government. Um, so, you know, it isn't a stretch to say that Social Security program, you know, has some issues still – it's not in imminent danger of completely running out of money, while some changes will probably have to happen at some point um, to make sure it's completely safe. Young people who fear that they're not going to get any payments from Uncle Sam in retirement are probably worrying a bit, bit too much. I think it's reasonable to say that you would trim back, you know, your expectations of how much you'll get mm -hmm. in Social Security. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe only count 75 percent of your projected payments if you're doing retirement planning and you're, say, 40 years old. Um, but you know, it's certainly not going to go to zero. Yeah. And the other kind of takeaway is, I mean, Social Security is an important piece of the puzzle, but you you got to make sure you're doing some additional saving, 401ks, Roth IRAs, uh, do some retirement planning. Uh, you don't want to rely 100% on Social Security because, you know, today, again, the average is about $1,200. That that doesn't go a long way um, to providing a, a lifestyle. So you want to no. make sure you have some other other buckets of money out there. Absolutely. Yep. It's simply a safety net. So, okay, good topic. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. This question uh, is, I've never used an advisor before. What are the reasons people do? And um, various reasons. I mean, we talk yep. about this with folks. Um, uh, I've had some people say, you know, I really, you know, trust you and your firm. And if something happened to me, I would trust you to help my wife and, and kids and so forth. So, you know, the, the trust sure. piece of it is a big piece Sometimes the planning, uh, what we do planning-wise, gives a lot of vision into people's situation. And uh, there are some programs out there that, that can do that, but uh, a lot of folks have mentioned that. And and uh, when you kind of dig into the, some of the details, the um, the way we manage the asset allocation, the rebalancing is attractive as well. Yeah, I think there's certainly the potential for us to get a higher return because we have access to better funds than most people do in their retirement plan or, or on your own. Um, also our allocation, you know, has a lot of academic research behind it. There's sophisticated. So, you know, in our case, I think from, re from the investment side, there's certainly some potential, you know, improved returns. 
having said that, I, I don't think you can underestimate the importance of great advice, mm-hmm. ongoing advice. Yeah. Um, you know, I sit down with people all the time that make huge mistakes. And if they had they simply, you know, had an advisor, somebody, you know, that was skilled that they could ask and, you know, bounce those decisions off of beforehand, you know, then they would have they would have saved thousands and if not tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, I met with a guy just a couple of weeks ago who, you know, I think doesn't feel like he needs an advisor. However, he lost three hundred thousand dollars on his house. Mm-hmm. Okay, by by buying an old house and putting a ton of money in it to fix it up, and now you know can't, can't get it out. Looking at trying to sell it, they're looking at three hundred thousand dollar loss, mm. just an incredible loss, you know, because they put way too much money in a house. So had he asked me, had he had an advisor and asked me, you know, you know, should I be renovating this house and putting this kind of money in it? The obvious question would have been, heck no, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, go build a new house, you know. I mean, go build something that's more sellable. You know, that don't don't dump, you know, that kind of money into mm. an old house. Yeah. If you're if you're buying an old house, you gotta be willing to live in an old house. You know, you can't make it new. Yeah, we have a lot of stories like that as well. We could go on and on. On and um, on. Yeah. So uh, th- there's different reasons. It's not right for everybody. So there's certainly uh, you can be a, a self you know, do it on your own. Um a lot of a lot of choices out there, but uh you know, the relationship piece of it is um is important for a lot of folks. So absolutely. So good question. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is the five ways to help wipe out debt. Um, John, I mean, you know, this is this is one of those things we run into every single week. It seems like we're sitting down with somebody that has a significant amount of debt that they're working on, you know, trying to get out of this this quicksand, really, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, it is quicksand. I mean, it's kind of like if you see on the TV shows, you know, how any movement kind of digs you deeper and deeper mm-hmm. into it. Um, and that's how it feels with debt. I mean, it can feel almost impossible to get out on your own or make any progress. But fortunately, that's not really true for most people. I mean, you can make progress and you can escape if you follow some of the time-tested principles, and of course, first and foremost is to fix the problem that got you into debt, um, which usually means budgeting, usually means cutting your spending significantly. Um, you have to change your lifestyle dramatically in some cases, um, if necessary, to right the ship and avoid the Costa Concordia type disaster in your financial life. That obviously, you know, that means you have to free up some money and you have to make payments, you know, far beyond the minimum and stop the overspending. But after that, there are some things that you can do besides that to accelerate the process of paying it down. So, you know, that's what we're going to focus on today. I mean, you know, we've seen people with a mountain of debt, but once they change their attitude and start paying it off, they got the debt snowball rolling in the right direction. Um, So that's the goal is to get the snowball rolling downhill and before you know it, you'll be wiping out the debt. I mean, we help clients create a, a debt payment payoff plan. And it's amazing to see how you can have 10 or 12 different credit cards and loans that start getting wiped out once you get the first one paid off and you start cascading those payments to the larger debts that are out there. So here are some ways to jumpstart that process and to supercharge your debt repayment plan. So the first step uh, you mentioned is cut expenses and also pay far more than the minimum um, once you start cutting that and, and snowball those payments. Uh, first, you, you have to get serious. I mean, this is um, <clears throat> this can be a life-changing event, and uh, you drastically cut your expenses to free up some cash 
Um, go through every one of your expenses. Anytime you write a check or you have a bill come in, figure out how you can cut that. Um, and imagine what it's going to be like when you do have that cut and you have no debt. Uh, you'll likely realize that you can cut far more than you initially imagined. imagined. And most things we consider necessary um, really aren't, and they don't increase the quality of life very much. So you got to get gazelle focused, as Dave Ramsey would say. And, you know, even if you don't feel like you have the money to pay pay over the minimum, um, you got to figure out ways to do it. Sometimes it's making those drastic cuts and the changes. We've seen people, you know, sell cars. I've even seen people sell homes before to get out of yep, debt. And, yep. You know, but it's also the little things, bagged lunch, watch Netflix instead of going to the movies and, you know, drop cable, stop eating out, you know, don't go and get, you know, expensive new clothes, go to, um, you know, Goodwill. And uh, it just takes a mindset and changing your habits and, you know, paying more than the minimum may seem obvious, um, you know, to, to some of us, but uh, people only scrape up the bare minimum and the, the loans will drag on. Uh, forever. So try to pay at least double the minimum. And sometimes it's about cutting expenses, but maybe there's an income issue as well that needs to be addressed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what most people don't consider is that the longer you drag out repaying the loan, you know, the more interest you're going to end up paying. And so, you know, there's not only the interest expense, but you also have to consider the income that that money could have been earning as well. So, you know, and once you have paid off a, a loan, Continue to budget the same loan payment, but direct it to another loan. That's the debt snowballing tactic that allows your payments to proportionally increase relative to the loan size, and it it kills the loan, gets it paid off even faster. Um, So making the extra sacrifice to pay off your debt quickly can save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in interest. Um, Believe me, the relief of of being debt-free and saving the savings that you'll be able to start building up will make it well worth the sacrifice that it takes to do that. So that's really important. You got to get serious and pay way more than a minimum on those loans. Um, second one though is is to kind of jumpstart this process. Um, you 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 have to start getting ahead with the payments, and sometimes the best way to do that is to pay off a nice chunk of it. So maybe you can sell something big. Maybe you have a boat, a camper, or a car that you're not getting good use out of. Um, you know, even in having a garage sale can generate some extra cash that you can chunk down on your debts, get one or two of them paid off, start putting that money toward those, the next bigger debt and really start that debt snowball process rolling. Um, but so, you know, put, puts anything you don't need on the auction block, slap those process, those proceeds onto a debt or two. You know, pick the ones you can pay off completely with the proceeds to generate some momentum. That can create a huge psychological boost that will get you motivated and on track. Yeah, Dave Ramsey says, sell so much stuff that the kids think they're next. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. I like that. Yeah, so you got you got to be intense about it. Another one here, another idea is to, to cash out your savings account. Dave recommends taking it down to $1,000. And that may sound obvious, but some people want to hang on to too much cash. And uh, it can be scary, you know, cashing out uh, hard-fought savings. But um, but let's think through it for a second. Even if your your debt is only at 12% rate, uh, your savings would have to, to pay over 18% um, before taxes to break even with the cost. And, of course, if you're getting, you know, 1% to 2% on your savings, this could mean a 16 or 17 percent risk-free rate so and that's only if you're paying 12 percent. we see a lot of higher rates out there i've seen people in the 20s yeah um so you got to get through it because it's you're paying someone you know even 15 or 20 or 25 percent. that's a big number 
That's exactly right. Yeah. And despite, you know, pulling from your savings, feeling kind of like a negative process, it very well may be best in this case. So you really need to consider all your options because, you know, all factors considered the best solution may surprise you. Um, So another one to look at here is to cash out life insurance or borrow against a policy. Um, I really like this cash out option. You know, I mean. Um, so, you know, I mean, here's a, here's a couple of other things to consider to help you, you know, pay off the debt. I mean, if you really, do you really need any whole life, whole life policies that have significant cash value? If you can cash out the policy and pay off some debt, then simply buy a term policy to cover the insurance needs that you have and cash out the whole life policy. You know, alternatively, if it has cash value, you can typically bar against it. At a lower interest rate um, than than you might be paying on cards, uh, but of course that's essentially borrowing your own money. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you you know you, you still have to repay that money if you're going to keep the policy healthy. So I'm not a huge fan of, of doing that. I'd rather just see you cash it out, mm-hmm. you know, and just buy term insurance instead. If you have if you have life insurance, you can do that for. Another option is to borrow from your 401k plan. <clears throat> you know, again. Um, you know, this isn't a great option. If you had after-tax money in your 401k plan, I'd say, yeah, take that maybe as a withdrawal and pay down some debt with it. Um, but, you know, I don't really like the option of borrowing against your plan because you're kind of just shuffling the debt deck and you're going to have to pay that money back. Um, with after-tax dollars. With after-tax <clears throat> dollars. Yeah. So, you know, and then that money, of course, is not invested as well. So uh, there's some drawbacks to that, but that is an option. Yeah, and finally, um, you know, just think about renegotiating the the terms with your creditors. Uh, if your back's against the wall, um, you know, you could you know give up and do a Chapter Seven, but you don't want to go down that easy. Um, call folks up, call the creditors up, and and talk with them about the logic that if they force you into bankruptcy, they're going to get basically nothing from from you. So exactly. it's in their best interest to work with you and. And try to. You know, in some cases, they can lower the interest rate. Sometimes they can, um, you know, lengthen out the time, which is not, you know, the best answer. But they can work with you on coming up with a plan. So don't don't use before you go into bankruptcy. You need to try to work with your creditors. Yeah, you want to put all the options on the table, you know, and you want to face them with the reality they may not get anything back if you declare bankruptcy. So you know, if you're in that situation and it's really kind of a last ditch you know, effort here, um, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get with the creditors and they will jump through some hoops, you know, in hopes of seeing some money for sure. Um, they'll go a long way to avoid the prospect of you declaring bankruptcy. So, you know, keep in mind, this is kind of a latch dish approach. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not going to be used unless your situation really is dire. Um, uh, but, you know, this can save you a lot of money and, um, you know, it may not it won't be great on your credit record, of course. But, you know, if you're in this situation, you, you probably already don't have good credit. And, uh, you know, having a great credit record is not always a good thing because mm-hmm. sometimes it just leads you to, to take it on debt that you yeah. shouldn't take on. Dave says it's an I love debt score. <laughs> exactly. So you don't really want to have that anyway. So. So there are some some things you can do. The takeaways here are, you know, even though your debt situation may seem helpless, there are usually some steps you can take to begin the process to escape, and it can quickly snowball once you get started and get ahead of it. Um, After you get your budget in order, you could sell something 
and clean out the savings account, wipe out a chunk of your debt. You could cash out some whole life policies maybe to pay a chunk of your debt off or take a loan against your 401k plan. You could try to negotiate with the credit card company. Sometimes they'll drop the interest rate um, and they may settle for 50, 60 percent on the dollar of the balance as a payoff. So, you know, consider all your options. Point is, don't give up. There's always ways to get on the right track. You know, face your debt demons and, and you know, get get a jump start on the debt snowball process. Mm-hmm. All right. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, if all uh, possible, do not lend out your cards, credit cards, debit cards. Um, mm. And surprisingly, about 50%, there was a study done, 50% of people had lent out their really? credit cards. And a third or 35% of those um, suffered some negative consequence, like overspending, um, never being reimbursed for the cost, or the card was just never returned. It was either lost or stolen. So um, you got to be really careful about, um, you know, it's basically a blank check, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, don't don't lend your cards out. I can't believe this says 50% of people have yeah. lent their cards out to somebody. I mean, I could see letting your kids use it, you know, to go to the grocery store, you know, but... I mean, uh, yeah, this is not uh, this is not a good thing. You want to stay away from that. I've heard of fraud where somebody, you know, allowed their credit cards to be used and somebody would just max them out to the hilt, said they were going to pay it off, didn't pay it off. And it resulted in, you know, eighty hundred thousand dollars of debt. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't can't let that happen. You got to you got to protect your credit cards. That's your credit. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. like giving somebody cash. And you're responsible for it. You are responsible <laughs> for it. Somebody put something no on it, you're going to have to no pay doubt. it. So good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.